Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Welcome back to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Thank you so much for trusting us and sharing this content. We just want to say thank you. It means the world to us that you would all uh, listen and engage with it and share it with your friends. So thank you. And if you do us a favor again, um, if you're listening to this and you're enjoying the content, you're receiving something from it, if you would just rate it, that would be so helpful. And leaving a comment is always just so encouraging to hear how this specifically is meeting your needs, but also blessing you. So please let us know that. And also please jump over to Instagram at any point and we'd love to engage with you there. That's a great way to get back to us, back and forth. We can connect that way. But today we're actually going to be answering your questions. Elizabeth, and Phil and Diane are here, and we all four are going to sit and answer some of the questions that you've been asking, and we're excited. I'm excited. How is everyone else feeling? Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited Mm -hmm. about it. I I really am, and we have a handful of questions. Now, if you're the person that loves hearing your uh, Insta handle uh, over podcast, I hate to disappoint you. We're not going to share your name because some of these questions are a bit private, and we want to be sensitive to answer these questions fully and also help uh, be... Uh, full of integrity when we're sharing our responses to these sensitive questions and not exposing anybody uh, negatively. So we're going to just share these questions and then we're going to do our best to answer them and share some of our own thoughts about them. So I'll just start us off with the first one. Uh, The first question we got here, which is a great one, and I think it's a a fun, easy one to, to talk about today is how do we navigate the emotions of a four-year-old, for example? <laughs> how do you navigate the emotions of a four-year-old? Uh, Elizabeth, you want to start us on this one? <laughs> Why? Because we have a four-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> I have some thoughts, but I feel like you have a lot more that you could uh, offer to that one. Well, man, I feel like my kids have taught me how much I'm the master at suppressing my negative emotions. And I feel like in adulthood, um, I've had to just slowly learn how to acknowledge my full range of emotions and not just the positive ones. So I feel like I'm learning this right now. And on top of that, our four-year-old has some special needs and goes to a lot of therapy. And I feel like the therapists are helping me understand how to talk to her when she's full of emotion, <laughs> aka negative emotion and melting yeah. down. Yep. Um, and it's the way they do it is so simple. They just say when she's frustrated, they'll say to her, hmm, it looks like you're upset and kind of show a concerned face. You know, they're, they're, it's very intentional and they're <laughs> yeah, doing like, it. They yes. have all the psychology behind it. How can I help? And then they just leave it there. And to watch the way, you know, my intuitive response would be, Stop yelling because you can't get your shoe on. Like, that's not okay. You need to calm down, you you know. But when they do that, the way she responds, she immediately calms down and says, yeah, can you help me put my shoe on? Uh And I just think that has been really helpful with my littles of just 
to help them acknowledge what they're feeling mm-hmm. and then say, how can I help you, to which, which really helps them not stay stuck in their outburst of anger about something. Now, that's not to say that you don't correct a four-year-old's frustration or when they're using their emotions <laughs> negatively, we have to teach them, we have to train them to not be ruled by everything that they feel. Oh, exactly. But I think there is something really powerful in doing both, in being able mm-hmm. to acknowledge what they're feeling and help them understand what they're feeling. Because God mm-hmm. gave us the full range of emotions. Mm-hmm. He gave us all of our emotions. But also teach them responsibility of it's but what we do with our emotions is mm-hmm. very important. What we do with our anger mm-hmm. and frustration, that's on us. That's not on somebody else. And so I think it's both. I think, you know, Maybe previous generations, there was a lot of like stomping of the negative emotions and maybe this current generation is letting emotions rule, you know, yeah. the pendulum swung the good. other way. But I think it's important to consider both. Yeah. And what, on that note, though, because this is something that I didn't have the privilege to learn until adulthood, unfortunately, <laughs> and I think a lot of people know this, but feelings that are primarily uh, divulged, they come from emotion uh, they're, they're terrible masters, right? Like oh, to yes. make decisions yeah. off of how you feel will lead you to a very, very hard, troubled life. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting to realize like, no, we, we make decisions with wisdom in our mind and our heart and emotions play a part of that, mm-hmm. but they can't rule. And so that's where it's really interesting when I, I even see this question from this mom, how do you navigate? I think you do, it's a navigate, it's not squelching, mm-hmm. but it's teaching them, hey, these emotions are telling you something about what's going on mm-hmm. and how do you actually navigate that in an important way? And uh, a couple months ago, we did a a podcast with uh, Pete Scazzaro. He wrote an incredible book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Emotionally Healthy Church. Incredible books. Yeah. Really great helpful. Podcast too. Yeah. He did a, yeah, he has a great podcast. Um, we can reference that in show notes, but we did an episode, season three, episode eight. We did an interview with him when we chatted about all this stuff, if you want some more info, but yeah, I think it's really important. Phil and Diane, what are your thoughts on this? Well, one thing that um, I agree with Elizabeth that in our generation, or even a little before our generation, the swings, the pendulum was so far to all um, unruly emotions are bad. Yeah. And that we were all supposed to be kind of vanilla personalities. I mean, I remember going on a hike high in the Sierras, and there was somebody there, and I, and apparently started talking much more than I usually do. Maybe it was the thin altitude. I mean, we were pretty high, probably <laughs> at least 8,000 feet. And it was just so beautiful. I was overwhelmed with how beautiful it is. So I used several superlatives and just was just going on and on about how beautiful it was. And this actually kind of young person turned to me and said, you're gushing. (laughs) And I immediately felt just so embarrassed and so shamed. Oh, yes, I was gushing. But since that time, thinking it's okay to gush sometimes. Yeah. Even out of character, yeah. gush. Yes. I was honestly thrilled. And I actually felt like I was being kind of self-contained. I would have loved to have been more like David, you know, dancing before the ark when it was delivered yeah. to. But even his wife looked out the window. Remember She's the like, story? He's being too much. And, 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 yeah. and said he was acting like a fool. Yes. Mm. But in reality, he was just expressing it, overflowing some positive emotion. Yeah. Even more so, we do that with negative, you know, yeah. shame somebody for having um, 
negative emotions. And if we do too much of that, then we suppress this inner instinct that God has given us where we feel something and we should be at least alert to it. Yes. Ask ourselves, what is this about? Um, why am I feeling like this? Not to blame another person, but to say, is is this out of proportion? Is this triggering something in me? Obviously, you don't do that with a four-year-old. Yeah. With a four-year-old, you give them a vocabulary to be able to name yeah, their emotions. So good. Either that or they're going to be screaming and yelling at you and be total physically <laughs> We do that with Sloan right now. She's like, yes. she'll just scream about yes. something. We're like, <laughs> okay, what's, use your words. About everything. Yes. Just like just, uh, about, no, the other she wants her hands wiped. Just, yeah. ah. We're like, wait, wait. No, she doesn't even say that. She usually just screams and whines and we're like, wait, 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 wait. What do you really need? But the crazy thing is, is we say, nope, try again. She'll say, can you wipe my hands, please? So she knows. She knows. So sweet. Okay, but honest confession. Yeah. When we were first married in that first year or two, especially, first five years, maybe longer, um, I had all these emotions inside of me that I had never learned to express. And they came out in great volcanic gushes. <laughs> um, anytime we would have an argument, which was most days. And I, d <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with what I didn't even know why I was feeling what had triggered. I love the word triggered. I didn't even know what had triggered this kind of volcanic um, outburst. I think I was a prime example of a person who'd never been taught to actually navigate. I love the word that this person uses, navigate my emotions. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm actually a logical, usually thoughtful, <laughs> um, thinking what? person. Phil's chuckling over here. Exactly. <laughs> but then these emotions would come up. And because I didn't have a vocabulary, I'm feeling rejected. Mm. Um, my feelings are hurt because I think, um, you, you're being really critical of me and I can't live up to your standards. Um, I feel like an idiot. Mm. Um, maybe those aren't all emotions, but they are on those, those would have been a more honest response than, than just attacking Phil mm. for maybe some possibly Phil, I'm not sure if you will actually see this, maybe some less and entirely sensitive remarks that were made in those <laughs> early years. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just glad that I'm not the, I wasn't the person on the hike that turned around and said, you're gushing. I feel bad for you. I, yeah. I don't even remember that <laughs> hike. Okay. Was I, I was, on that hike? I No, no, that was not. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Because no, no. I wouldn't want to do that to you. I survived it yeah. to tell the story. In, in your defense, you, 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 we were newly married, but I wasn't, I wasn't. We were talking at one in the morning. Yes, I was worship pastor at this one of the home. first mega churches. I had these eighteen-hour days, and and literally, I'd get home after midnight, and she'd been wanting to talk to me all day, and I'm like falling asleep. One of our worst fights was right in the middle of one of them. I fell asleep. That was not good. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so there were definitely some emotions. You know, I think we need to remember we're made in the image of God, the Imago Day, and God is emotional. Yeah. Uh, you know, he yeah. he feels love and he feels rejection. And, and he gets angry, but he his anger is always righteous because he is perfect. 
And, uh, you know, my stroke, my struggle with anger is, is not so much righteous anger, which we all feel at times when we see something horrible happening, a child being sex trafficked or whatever, something that's not right. We, if we're made in the image of God and we have the Holy Spirit, we feel that, but our problem is, is with sinful anger. Yeah. So, you know, feeling mad, sad, glad uh, with your children, they're going to feel all these things just like we do. And so we need to model for them how we have learned to what that we know how to deal with our own emotions and we're all on that journey you mm-hmm. know none of us have arrived at perfection yet and Jesus is our example i mean while they were crucifying him instead of lashing out in anger he said father forgive them they know not what they do so i mean he's always our example but i know when when Diane and i get a chance to teach on this subject um you know we talk about obedience and self control and obedience mm-hmm. has to do with your actions and we are trying to raise sons and daughters who can accept no as an answer and know how to obey their parents because that's a command in the scriptures yeah that they're to honor and obey their parents and we're doing them a disservice if we let them sass us or push us or or you know raise their voice at us these are things mm-hmm. we have to deal with and then i love what you're saying yes we went too far the other way like just you know just zip it and just you know <laughs> be quiet but now i I think it has gone too far. Like, you know, I, I need to tell you how I feel, you know? Yeah. A- and I, I think that um, obedience has to do with actions. But self-control is is something that's really important, that we need to become men and women of self-control and help our children become um, people of self-control yeah. as they grow up. Yeah. And self-control has to do with our emotions. You know, do we let our emotions control us or do we control yes. our emotions? And so when we talk about intentional parenting, we want to raise sons and daughters who grow up to be passionate Jesus followers. And that means that their character is the kind of character that God wants for them and that they represent him and bring the kingdom everywhere they go. And um, in in the New Testament, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So God yes. is a God of self-control. I mean, he, he restrains his anger. He's long-suffering. And so um, when we're filled with the Spirit, we will experience self-control. And we can become people of self-control. And so we can't fail to train our kids in this because it's really, really important. And really your aim in teaching your children self-control in the end is not for your convenience so that the household gets a little quieter. Although that's nice. (laughs) It is nice. But honestly, we want our sons and daughters to grow into a man or a woman who's in control of their emotions enabling him to choose his responses to people and to life. Yeah. So instead of um, instead of being controlled by your own willfulness, your own emotion is so strong and so overwhelming that you're incapacitated and you hijack conversations or mm. you feel like you have to tell everybody your opinion about everything. And all, honestly, giving your son or daughter the ability to feel anger or to feel frustration, or to feel rejection even, um, without lashing out at somebody as a result of your feelings. But to know, what what do I do with this feeling? Uh, All those feelings and the compulsions that honestly vie for control over all of our lives, and that really vied for control, especially in the first years of our marriage. Oh, oh, especially, yeah, and for kids over their mom and dad. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, a fool gives vent 
to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. But with little, little kids, you until they you can to learn to control them themselves, yeah. you need to be their self-control. And that's what a pet, I love this, this question, this word navigate, because it takes a ton mm-hmm. of wisdom. You need to talk to each other. You need to pray, mm-hmm. see what's going on in your the heart of your son or daughter, but don't shy away from realizing that you've been called by God to train them mm-hmm. in how to deal with their emotions. Great answer. Thank you guys. Yeah, so good. Okay, next question. Ah, this one's convicting. More discipline advice. My kids don't listen, but I don't want to use fear as punishment or control. <laughs> oh, 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 well, I can answer that one because mm-hmm. I fail at this a ton. Um, as do I. Literally yesterday, <laughs> I was trying to get our older two to pay attention during our history read aloud. And I literally like, as the words were coming out, I was like, don't say this, don't say this. This is not what you want to say. But I literally, I like raised my voice, said, if you guys don't listen right now, I'm going to make you do double the amount of school. (laughs) And immediately, as soon as it came out, I was like, wait, I don't want them to view school as a threat or as a punishment or as I'm trying to create the opposite. But well, it still totally. Uh, one thing out. we are at intentional is uh, transparent. So uh-huh. we don't have this. We don't have this dialed. And we would like to say. No, I said that happened yesterday. No, I know. I know. I, what I'm trying to point out is you're sharing that. And I'm only going to go deeper into that dark hole of honesty. Because I think really, I, I don't know about you, uh, Elizabeth. And I know, well, I do know actually the answer. But if you're listening, I'd say if you're listening, there's a lot of people that tell you the ideals of what to do. And then you go to do those ideals and you're like, this doesn't work. Like yeah. it, or it doesn't work for me, or I'm missing something, or it's my kids aren't responding that way. And so I know for me, um, one of the, the easiest ways to control my kids when they're not doing what I want or to get them to do my, what I want is anger and fear. Like those are motivating mm-hmm. emotions to answer mm-hmm. you know, the last question. Why do they always fear dad and they don't fear mom? I don't know. I, 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 that's a question for God someday. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can say the wrong tone to Sloan and she just breaks and she'll just cry. You know, like if, I, if I'm too intense, even vocally with her, just like, hey, you know, chill. But um, it's really interesting because anger and fear are great motivators towards compliance, which we would all agree. Uh, but as we know, anger and fear don't bring about the fruit that Jesus talks about, and it usually hurts our kids. Um, and so this question actually hits me real close because I've been processing this for a while. Like, how do I help my kids and use proper discipline but not scar them? And the two things that Jesus brought to my mind through the scriptures were, uh, the first one is gentleness. Ephesians 4, 2 uh, says, with tender humility and quiet patience, Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially mm-hmm. towards those, listen to this, this is really in the Bible, especially towards those who may try your patience. Oh, <laughs> Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Think of yeah. a family dynamic. And so I was really uh, convicted because gentleness is actually one of the great motivators for kids. Yeah. I mean, and it's a posture. It's not just in word, but it's a posture of how you're engaging. So that was the first conviction. So that's the first thing I feel like the Spirit showed. And then the second was meekness. And that's more of a, a Bible word. It's an older word we don't use often. 
but when you actually look into this, the history of this word, the Greek word is praus, and this word was uh, borrowed from like the military. So I, I did like a little word study, and in the Greek army, what they would do is they would find the wildest horses in the mountains, and they would bring them in to be broken in. So they'd look for the craziest one. Who's yeah. the craziest one? Let's find that horse. Let's bring that horse in. And after months of training, they would sort these different horses into categories, and some were discarded and, and said, okay, let's, they're, they're too much, let's put them back. And some were useful for like uh, carrying stuff. And then some were like actually ready for like the duty of war. And these were the horses, uh, when they passed all the conditions required, they became the war horse. And the, the condition they were described as is prowse, which is like meek, strength under control. And once I read that, I just realized the power of, we have so much strength. I think your mm-hmm. question, honey, like why are kids more um, in, like intimidated by dad? I think there's a lot of strength represented in a father. I think if you're a dad, you have a responsibility to never use that strength to hurt, uh, but to help. And I think mm-hmm. that's a very easy thing to misuse at mm-hmm. times. But I, I just remember going through the process and praying through like, how do I actually do this? And and I don't think to answer this question, at least for me, I'll, I'll give my heads up. It wasn't that I, I didn't follow through with discipline the same, and it wasn't that I didn't even keep, keep the same um, consequences for maybe a particular action, but it was the spirit in which I was doing it changed. It was gentleness. So instead mm-hmm. of having anger and fear and you better do this, it's gentle, it's kindness, it's mm-hmm. it's bring them in. And then the second is, is really been meekness for me is that strength under control. Like, hey, we are going to do this. There is consequence, but I love you and I care mm-hmm. for you and there's closeness. And, and so that's, I mean, Truly, that's from a place for me personally of just mm-hmm. weakness of of not knowing mm-hmm. how to do that and the spirit being generous to mm-hmm. dad. But that's just my perspective. How's everyone else experienced well, that question? I was question? just going to say with that, like watching, because I remember when the Lord kind of illuminated that for you and watching to see how especially our older kids have responded to you, mm-hmm. approaching them in that way, they go to you to process how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Like especially Duke, you guys are wired really differently. He's wired more mm-hmm. like me. But I've seen him grow in like a dependence on you to process his negative emotions mm. because he knows that you're going to be gentle and meek with him and you're going to help him figure out what he's feeling. And I mean, I saw it the other day. He was really frustrated. I was really frustrated with him. You were in Brazil <laughs> and you happened to call right I was in the gone. moment. Yeah. And I made him talk to you. He didn't want to talk to I you. Know. He was really mad. And he just immediately started crying. He like let down his emotion. Mm. And then was he was like voice texting you afterwards. I love you so much, Dad. I, I know. You. I got that voice text. I was like, oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. So <laughs> I've seen just in, instead of the opposite of what I think some parents might fear is, well, if I do that, then, then they're going to really not listen to me. Then they're yeah. going to just be totally out of control. Draws them in. But like you said, you've, you're still holding the same line, but you're even just in the tone of voice that you're speaking to them is so much gentler and they're moving towards you. They're not becoming more unruly. They're actually being more self-controlled, but they're moving towards you in relationship. And so I'm learning from watching that because I definitely can be quick-tempered and um, try to keep it under the surface and uh, then it erupts. I think to maybe paint a a fair picture, I'd say that's usually about 80% of the time. There's still that 20% where... You know, I'll miss it and I won't use the right posture. I will be more short. And I think what's beautiful about uh, seeing this more clearly, the 
meekness and gentleness is you actually begin to see, whoa, the fruit of those two things mm-hmm. are very different. And mm-hmm. it creates this uh, frustration in your children. It creates a, um, a distance, a real emotional distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the opposite happens, if there is gentleness, if there is meekness, there's like an immediate closeness. You're, mm-hmm. you're instructing and disciplining out of uh, closeness, which is really mm-hmm. important. Yeah, you know, uh, not knowing exactly what's going on here, it's always hard with some of these questions, but uh, this yeah. question begins, my kids don't listen to me. Mm. Well, that's a real big problem. That's alarming. That's alarming. So the first thing, I guess, you know, I'd have to say, why are they not listening to me? So take a look inside at me. Am mm-hmm. I being too harsh? Am I being mean? Am I pushing them away or scaring them? Yes. Or is it is it their sin? sin? Because kids will, it's a vie for who's going to be in control, you yep. know? Are they going to yep. control you? Or are you going to control them? And, yes. And so you you want to create kids who not only listen to you, but learn to listen to other people that will come in their life that hopefully will be wise and bring wisdom into their life. And so this is a really important thing. I'm really glad this this um, mom cares enough to ask this question. But, you know, I was a couple, uh, I have a verse that I thought of that I actually read today that to pick yeah. up on what you were saying. But before I read that in Proverbs, we were talking about this earlier today, Brooke, I think, uh, in uh, Proverbs chapter uh, chapter 9, it says, do not reprove a scoffer lest he hate you. Yeah. But reprove a wise man and he will love you. I love you, dad. You know, so yeah. so here you are in another country and yet through yeah. mom and dad brought about uh, a proper response and and Duke was wise and he listened and he he listened and and he says I love you dad so it says right here in the Bible reprove a wise man and he will love you Duke is is got a long ways to go in growing up of course he's just a kid but he's becoming wise because mm. you have been doing this with him since he was much younger than he is now yeah. give yep. instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. So I think we need to remember we're teaching our kids, we're training our kids. Yes. And so we need to be doing it Jesus way. And so the verse um you know I I you guys know I have a read through the Bible in a year thing. And of course you finish the New Testament by September because it's just 276 yep. chapters. So and my Bible reading thing, once I'm done, I just say, keep reading as the Spirit leads you. So I'm, I decided to read the Gospel of Mark, which I'm doing one chapter a day, and then I started in First Timothy, and then I, this morning I was in Second Timothy 2, and I came across this verse that, um, that has meant a lot to me, and I've seen it in action, not just with kids and parents, but I, I, I've seen it in, once I watched an elder respond to, uh, a guy that was totally in the flesh just knifing him and he had done nothing wrong and i saw him respond to this this man the with the love of jesus you know mm. not 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 giving him what he wanted but not responding in the flesh and and, he, and here's the verse and it starts off this is uh from uh second timothy 2 uh towards the end of the chapter in verse 24 it says the lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome and so, first of all, mm. the Lord's bondservant, that's all we are. We're yeah. servants mm-hmm. of God, you know? Mm-hmm. Paul mm-hmm. called himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I love that. So we're just his his bondservants. Yes. And so when we're parenting, we're parenting on behalf of him. The kids belong to him. They've been mm-hmm. given to us for a time. So so anyway, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. In other words, don't be argumentative and get back in their face. In this case, we're talking about kids. But be kind to all, able to teach. You guys were teaching Duke mm-hmm. in that moment. Okay, uh, able to teach, patient when wronged. I mean, when your kid's getting in your face, you are being wronged. So instead of you know answering a fool according to his folly or 
or, you know, getting back in their face. Sometimes we need to let the Lord's patience and long-suffering be in our hearts, just like God is long-suffering with us. And here it is, Brooke, what you just said, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. And so I, th- what a kid needs when he's not listening is he needs correction because that's one of the tools of discipline that we as parents are to use. It's one of the tools of discipline we teach on, a gentle correction, how to bring a gentle correction. And then if a kid doesn't listen, it has to become a loving rebuke where you get a little stronger. But you start off with a gentle correction. It's right here in the Bible. But here's, here's what happens if we don't do it. This is what I want to read the whole verse. So you're, you're talking about being meek and gentle, and that's totally. Jesus was meek and lowly of heart. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Of course, that's what we want. We want them to say, yeah, I had a bad attitude. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm going to listen to you now, right? Then it's over. But if they mm-hmm. don't, the verse doesn't stop there. And it's we, the reason we want, we want them to repent and, and, and come to the truth is be, it says because if they don't, they make the, we want them to come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do as well. So in other words, if we just fail to do this, if we just abdicate our throne, we're just giving them over, and they're going to fall more easily into the broad way that leads mm, to destruction yes. instead of staying on the narrow way that leads to life, which is where we want them to be. So anyway, but the whole key to that passage is correcting with gentleness mm. when when there's something that's inappropriate. It so, brings anyway. fruit. I Just love that. so much wisdom. I only have one thing to add. I'm listening to all of you as a deaf woman who, for whom hearing is really hard. And I was sitting there thinking... Um, what might be some of the obstacles we put in the way of our children listening to us? Um, what might what might make our kids hard of hearing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of deaf to us. And I think one of them is tone of voice. Mm. Kids have Big an time. innate ability to turn off our kind of squawky, negative, overcorrecting tone of voice. Um, or we just—I found myself doing this all the time raising kids. I just. Bark out orders. Do this, do that, do this. Why aren't you listening? Hurry up, do that. You know, um, that's a really easy voice to turn off <laughs> and um, not to listen to. But yeah. I did find that when I would take the time and look my children in the eye, just like I need to be talked to, look them, you know, not stern in the eye like I'm dominating you, but more like understanding I'm a real person, mm-hmm. not just a chore giver. Um, look them in the eye and say, honey, I don't think you heard me. Or would you listen to me? I really need you to go do such and so. As soon as you do that, then we can talk about what, what it it's is so you want true. or you need. Yes, Sometimes that so it's that good. soft, mm-hmm. intense, you have my full attention, which is both um, liberating and a little intimidating to a child. Mm-hmm. You know, I I see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um can can help somebody to actually hear what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, how often do we just start talking, not even trying to be a compelling conversationalist, a compelling leader, not even trying to be heard, just yeah. almost mm. whining at our own children. So yeah. maybe take think through a little bit what are what might be barriers you're putting off, and it might be as simple as there's too many gadgets going on right now. You've got a TV, somebody's playing a video game, mm-hmm. you, you're you're Cell phone is dinging, and nobody can hear anybody in an environment like that, let alone really pay attention. (laughs) That's a great observation. We definitely have those moments at home where we're like, all right, everyone is being 
entirely too loud. Like yes. everyone, let's all just bring the whole thing down for a minute. And they all build on each other. Like the kids will be mm-hmm. talking and then the littles want attention. So they'll scream and then the older ones get louder and yes. it becomes this world. And you're like, what And just nobody happened? can hear. I love what you said. Like what are, what obstacles are we putting in yeah. the way from them hearing us? And yeah. I just immediately was convicted and thought of like, how often do we threaten but not follow through? Yes. And our oh. kids pick up on that so fast and to- especially when they're young. Yes. And just write us off. Like I was so convicted of this the other day because I've been doing this with our two younger in the overwhelmness of the chaos that is yeah. <laughs> toddlers and homeschooling. Yeah. But um, Scarlett said, and she she didn't say it right. And, she, it's, you know, didn't have a great tone of voice when she said it, but she wasn't wrong. She said, Mom, I feel like you're always threatening them and they're not listening to you. You Ooh. need to do something about it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have her through. on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Follow through with but as soon as she said it, I was like, oh my gosh, she is dead right. And yeah. not only is this negatively affecting my littles, it's negatively affecting my big kids who are like, wait a second. Yeah. If we did that, we would get yeah. in trouble. That's yeah. not fair. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but realizing and then watching my four year old who is literally tuning me out because she knows that I'm all intense in the moment, but I'm not following through. Yeah, I think that's really convicting oh of me. Goodness. And I don't mean like good. hammer down the punishment. I just mean like so often we threaten to try to get them to listen to yes. us with no intention of stopping yeah. what we're doing and actually like dealing with the situation. Yes. That's important. And, and to, be, to. to add a little grace to this, we're overtired and overextended yeah some days just getting dinner on the table (laughs) or clearing the debris so we can get dinner on the table is Mm -hmm. about all we can amount to nobody's going to get this right every time you know i I think we're going to answer a marriage question coming up here right Mm -hmm. but just a comment uh, on i love diane that you said tone of voice and to all the people that are married who are listening i mean let's face it in our marriages that's tone of voice is huge and for me as a man when i'm too harsh with diane or uh, it's it's hurtful. And so, you know, if I want my wife to open up <laughs> to me and share her heart with me, I need to set an atmosphere where that is safe. Mm-hmm. And tone of voice, you know, I think uh, I think we all we all know a counselor named Jim who's really wise and he's and I remember him saying one time that tone of voice dec- sets an environment of safety or no not safety. Yeah. And so in marriage, mm-hmm. I think that um, it's really, really important. So we're going to blow and it. Kids, when you blow yeah. it, you just acknowledge you blew it. You yeah. go to your kid and say, I'm so sorry. I raised my voice at you. Will you please forgive me? You know, mm-hmm. it was an outburst of anger. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I love you. Now let's talk about what we told you to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about exactly. you not obeying. Yeah. I, yeah. I so agree. We're going to move on to that question. But even before this podcast started, I was not being so kind to my wife, <laughs> tone of voice wise. And she's like, I just kind of feel like you're being short with me. I was like, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, I was being short with you. <laughs> so we are in yes. it right now. In this exact you're confessing your sin, not only to one another, but to everybody on the to podcast. everyone who wants to listen. <laughs> okay, there's, We're human. We have to do this all day long. I mean, I guess just to paint the picture that it, you don't get this right. Uh, and there's you just continually are in that space of learning. In this unique time that we are all finding ourselves in, many of us are doing things that we never thought we would once do, and that even includes cutting our own children's hair. And we want to introduce you to something called Barber Mom. Barber Mom is an online course that teaches parents how to cut kids' hair. Now, there's different modules, and every module has high-quality videos and a quiz, so you learn everything you need to know to make your kids look like a million bucks while saving a thousand or more dollars. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have ever tried to cut your own kids hair at home this could be and was for us disastrous we tried to cut duke's hair and oh my goodness 
it was disastrous. And we are so thankful for Barber Mom. Now, how it works is you'll get a lifetime access to courses that teach you how to cut boys and girls' hair taught by true professionals. You can save lots of money, you can learn a new skill, and you can also know how the haircutting process actually works and make life easier for you and less stressful for you. We would love to offer this to you. And so all you need to do is go to barbermom.com and use the promo code intentional. Again, that's barbermom.com. Enter the promo code intentional for $10 off a lifetime membership. The next question, which I think is a really good one, and we want to land on this is, uh, and this is for the married couples out there, how to remain married as a believer when your feelings for your spouse are gone. Yeah, so reading that question, uh, man, just such a heavy question. And for the person who asked it, we are going to sincerely, as the Spirit leads, be praying for you mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, some of that changes. Uh, I want Phil and Diane for you guys to uh, answer this. I know you guys are in the middle of writing a marriage book, which is really exciting, and we'll tell you all more about that soon. But mm-hmm. I know that you guys have specifically... Um, how long have you guys been married now? How many years? Forty-two. Forty-two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're and and you would say uh, happy. Obviously, not perfect yes. marriage because yeah. I don't think any marriage is ever perfect. But you guys yeah. are smiling, delighting in each other. We are still in love. And you're we're still very in love. Much still in love. We are. And in fact, we um, were asked at a church about couple hours from here to do a series of messages on marriage. And of course, my first response was, oh, no, not us. (laughs) Um, But out of that has come... Tell him what your second response was. And not with him. (laughs) Him being me. (laughs) Honestly, because he knows the truth, and so do I, about how often we we flounder and fail at this, you know. I Um, I think that's the reason you need to talk about it, because you're going to be honest about it. At the same time, we put together about... It ended up being about 12 points of things that not we wanted to. Not in one sermon. To, <laughs> we did do 12 no, points. Not a 12-point sermon <laughs> over, you know, over time that we're writing about right now. But um, honestly, things that we thought, we want to pass these on to our kids mm-hmm. because one by one, we have seen so many of our friends' marriages fail Yeah. over this very thing, I'm not in love with you anymore. Wow. And that not in love with you anymore sometimes leads to affairs, thinking maybe I'll be in love with somebody else. Sometimes it just leads to just ugliness mm. or um, rejection. And one by one, and these are friends that were, many of them in ministry at some point, all of them committed to Jesus and to each other and in love with each other. So, so we put together these uh, 12 things and we, we named it at the beginning. Um, what, what do we call it, Phil? A love that lasts a lifetime. A love that lasts a lifetime. How to have a love that lasts a real lifetime. Real schmaltzy, really Which is corny, totally corny. corny. <laughs> so we're changing the name. But really, that is the premise. How yes. do you have a love that lasts a lifetime? Hmm. Um, through the battering of children <laughs> and financial difficulties and just the fact that, you know, I was 19 when we got married. I am not the same person. No. I am not the same woman that I was at 19 in some ways and many good, 
that's very good. And something, some ways that's maybe disappointing that I'm not quite as sweet and quiet and compliant <laughs> as I once let on. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, Diane. <laughs> what is it? No you, you're you're <laughs> always telling me, honey, you're not as mild mannered as you think you are. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, I think she has this version of her in her mind that's like, I'm the third child. John Mark and Rebecca were so intense that I'm not really intense. I was like, yeah, but they're like so off the charts intense that your intensity is still up there it's just maybe not as still not as high yes all great individuals who are changing the world at 21 i was much more yeah we got married at 21 now yes and i i wouldn't change it for the world but yes there's an adjustment that takes place on both sides of like okay (laughs) well we can navigate this but no kidding and sometimes our differences don't well wear well over time yeah um they they just become to begin to grate on us yeah and um so we we put together these 12 things and we're working them into really a story, into a book, hoping to pass on to other people, not for deeply troubled marriages, but really to answer this question, how to remain married as a believer when your feelings for your spouse are gone, but even better, how to main, keep your feelings from being gone. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. Because I, the, the, one of the things that I think is built into this question that's interesting is it the, is the idea or the ideal that's built mm-hmm. into our culture that you're always going to feel something yeah, yeah. super, super good for this person who you know everything about, good, bad, and yeah. then go through everything mm-hmm. with the hardest times in your life. And so maybe even speak to that for what is the What does the Bible even talk about when it comes to feelings, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think that idea, I've, I've heard it said, and it's very helpful, you you make your choice and you love your choice, right? Yes. Love is yes. a choice. And um, there's, of course, there's always room for improvement, as my wife, who's the one on the Enneagram, can, <laughs> can find all my rooms my for improvement. Motto. Uh-huh. But at the same time, yeah. it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of times when you don't feel stuff. Um, yes, yeah. And and I think maybe even just saying that that's totally normal. You're not crazy. And sometimes for long periods of time, mm. because one or the other of you could be going through a rough spot for a long time. Yeah. And choosing to love that person with no knowledge, no understanding, no real um, control over whether they stay in that rough spot for a long time. I remember at my grandfather's funeral, he, my grandfather was widely known as not a nice man. Mm. And very few people had much good to say about him, except that he was always very successful at what he did. But I asked my grandma, Grandma, how did you stay with Grandpa? Mm. He was just hard and not nice. And, and she said, well, when my day, when we got married, we belie- believed it was for a lifetime. Wow. She didn't say anything else. And she wasn't like this profound person. She was more of a simple, this is just matter of fact. And um, she stayed with a a, a kind of sometimes nasty, moody, not very, not abusive, but not very nice man. Hmm. And um, because of a commitment, that's very rare. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody, quite honestly. Hmm. But there is something to the mindset of we're in this for the long haul. So I'm going to figure out how to love this man as he is right now or to love this woman in her current state. 
That's amazing. Um, do you, do we still have that stitchery your mom gave us? No, we no. don't. So I don't I don't know what happened to it, but uh, when we were newly married, uh, Diane. No, I was cleaning out. I was going to say again. she was organizing. Yeah. She threw it away. away. I was going to say she was on a she was she on a cleansing binge. She must have been mad binge. at me that day. But no, it was a stitchery. Her mom used to do uh, you know quilting. Cross stitch. Cross yeah. stitch. But she also did quilting. She was an award winning quilter. But anyway, yes. her he had a cross stitch that she gave to us. Choose thy love. Love thy choice. Yes. Okay. So oh, it's easy go. to choose thy love, but yeah. you know, loving thy choice is is an act. You know, it's it, it's a it's an act. God demonstrated His own love for us that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, yes. you know, I feel really good about you guys today because you really <laughs> like met my needs, and so thank you. And then like you know, well, I'm mad at you today, so forget you. No, he he, it, love is an action. And so what mm. you know, unfortunately, everything we see in Hollywood and everything we see in our culture is, hey. If your needs aren't being met, just bolt. Yeah. Okay. So it's like it's all about me and my feelings, and I used to love you, and I don't love you anymore, and so I'm going to go try somebody else. And it's totally ungodly. God, who thought the whole thing up, who said it's not good for man to live live alone, and bringing Eve to Adam, etc. And you know, you know the Bible story. Um, marriage is a covenant relationship. It's not just between the husband and wife. It's between the husband and wife and God. Yes. Okay, and Jesus affirmed Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, two shall be one flesh. And he said, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So this question, how do I remain married as a believer? That's the key phrase here, as a believer. The first of all is is you you remain. <laughs> so Because it's not about my feelings, it's about this covenant relationship I have with God. Now, then you deal with the problem. Okay, so why are you not having these feelings? And it could be, mm. you know, we don't know what's going on here. I mean, is the guy having an affair and he's just like, you know, never around, or she knows he's cheating on him, or is he yeah. just being like, oblivious short, and yeah. harsh and is he not meeting her needs and you know there's all kinds of things that need to be talked about in this thing but I, I guess I have to state the obvious is as a believer um, you, you you have if you're going to leave the Bible has clear instructions about that right mm -hmm. but you know I would say you know to stay right mm -hmm. to remain absolutely married. but I think we would want to even say more how do we keep ourselves from getting to that place where the feelings are really gone what can we do for each other in marriage to yeah. keep that love alive and, and you're you're really good at that so why don't you answer that well answer your own question <laughs> well I and I see because what yeah as you guys are talking there's one thing that you just said that it's really important because I, I let's put a pin right there because that's really important about what you're about to answer but on what you said, which was really interesting, I didn't notice it until you just said it, is what's built into maybe our culture or generation even right now in such a highly individualistic mm -hmm. culture, we usually get married because of some of those reasons at first. Like, obviously, it all feels good. You know, mm -hmm. there's that whole euphoric time or, of the honeymoon. Or you make me feel good. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's primarily about how that person makes you mm -hmm. feel, mm -hmm. not about what true love mm -hmm. is, which is to will the good of the other. Mm -hmm. Remember, biblical love is to will their good. So we have this idea that love is built on my satisfaction or like mm -hmm. me feeling good. But anyway, I, I only point that out to say, how funny is it that we often get into these relationships because they make us feel good. Mm -hmm. And then the moment they don't, we, mm -hmm. we have no foundation underneath mm -hmm. to actually build on anything. Mm -hmm. You know, this is really interesting because I was talking to John Mark, my brother, the other day, and he just said something that 
it just was so brilliant and just stuck out to me. And he said, you know, you know, we all get married, especially when you get married when we're young, just because of all these strong narcissistic feelings, <laughs> how the person makes me feel or sexual feelings. Like that's why we choose to bond our life to somebody, but it's all narcissistic and selfish. It's usually <laughs> what gets us married. It's true. But he yeah. said, you know, I wonder if part of that is how God designed it, because otherwise none of us would ever get married. <laughs> and and he true. was saying it, I mean, he was saying it kind of lightheartedly, but but really profoundly true. at the same time of, of that that really is, it's what our culture says. It's also like, regardless of our culture, it's kind of what draws us to each other. None of us... Even if like, okay, you guys raised us not with this false idea of marriage being this euphoric thing and happily ever after. But it has been for her and Um, she's so thankful she married me (laughs) and she can't believe it. (laughs) But yet I still brought into marriage the idea that it was Mm going to satisfy me, make me happy. And I'm sure that was a mix of culture. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. fed it from every Disney movie known to Mm -hmm. man from birth. Um, (laughs) But... That's awesome. But I also feel like it's probably also in us, this yes. like draw to each other. And I loved how John Mark said that because it's like, yeah, that is probably what draws us together. That's not what keeps us together. And I think that is where we have to make that mental shift where especially with what's happening in our culture of, you just don't make me happy and I right. really deserve to be happy. Yes. And so let's get a divorce. We're, we'll be better off. We'll be who, more who we were meant to be yes. if we oh, part ways. You all know, all, all of that. And yes. that is obviously completely infiltrated the church and believers. But um, I, had a, I had a point with this. I was going somewhere with this thought, and I totally just <laughs> lost it. When it comes back, let your mom start answering. Yeah. And then, I but love how do- where you're going with this because it's exactly true. But then we... If we're going to have a marriage that lasts where your love actually, feelings of love, okay? Because yeah, I still want to have yes, feelings yes, of totally. love for my husband. I want to continue that little thrill when he walks in the door or I'm picking him up from the airport and he's been gone a little bit. And just that thrill of looking at each other and know that we're thinking the exact same thing. There is, those feelings are important. Mm-hmm. But it's up to us individually to maintain those feelings. And I would, I would argue that we do, when we do that for each other, creating an environment and when the, in which the other will thrive, mm-hmm. watching out and guarding each other to make sure that that, that we're each taking that responsibility on, then your marriage is, is that kind of satisfying thing. You still have bumps Mm. in the road because you act like a jerk sometimes. Everybody acts like a jerk. (laughs) I act like a jerk. I'm not going to speak for Phil about whether that ever happens to him, but. (laughs) It does. It does. (laughs) Basically, if I, if we reverse that, why we got married to, I'm responsible to some degree to just watch out for Phil, Mm -hmm. to see how he's doing. Is he working too hard? Um, Is Am I trying too hard to make him like me? Or do I actually know what fills his cup, what fills his bucket and makes him um, happy? Um, And and then I take that on as, okay, you know what? Phil needs a little road trip. He needs to get in the car. We need to go do something fun and spontaneous. I, I'm going to put that bug in his ear because I can just see it coming. Instead of, wow. Phil, you are just being so negative or you are just, you know, you're working all the time. What a workaholic you're being. You know, I mean, that's just, 
That's just mean spirited. It's not but motivating. if I say, you know what, I think what he really he doesn't even know right now that he needs some fun. He needs a really fun meal. We need yeah. to stop the diet for a few days. <laughs> I'm on a diet right, right now. I, I like, is that a word from God? Yes. Stop the diet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, and then when Phil does that for me, and I know I have something, someone who's actually looking out for my best interest, love thrives. Hmm. And I'm going to add one more thing, just very uncharacteristically want. honest that I mentioned to you guys. That I did a bunch of research as I've been doing the writing of this book. And one of the big surprises to me that shouldn't have been such a surprise is has to do with sexuality in marriage and in a covenant relationship. And, and that is when a husband and a wife come together which, what is that Bible verse about coming together often in First Corinthians chapter yes, 7? In, it's, it's actually a command that we're command. given. Come together Lest often. Satan tempt you. In other words, have sex frequently. For your lack of self-control. Yet when th- we're not feeling the feels, we, we definitely don't, aren't inclined to initiate yeah, yeah. that. But the reality is that God wired our bodies to help solve this problem of a lack of emotional feelings towards each other in that when a man and when a woman experience sexual relations, intimacy together, orgasm, and all of a sudden their body is flooded with chemicals that we pay in the real world, pharmaceutical world, lots and lots of money to to have as many of those pharmaceuticals as possible. Your body naturally produces three hormones that one of which is actually dubbed by researchers the cuddle hormone because it makes you feel feelings of attachment and connection and you want to be close to that intimacy. Mm. You Mm. want to be close to that person. And when I read that, I thought, oh my goodness, how many marriage problems might get over the hump and not spiral downward if if we actually listened to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, came <laughs> together often for mutual satisfaction, and then the feelings, a chemical inducement of those feelings would come over us. I yeah. just think that's fascinating that we should be perhaps talking about a little bit more and planning on you know, yeah. I'm a little miffed at my husband, but we really need to make love tonight. Hmm. And so I'm going to start getting myself halfway there because I honestly do love this man. He's going through a rough patch, but this will help. This will actually help solve some of those lack of feelings. Hmm. So what do you guys think about any of that? I can't believe you're talking about this, but just to show you she's on <laughs> biblical ground, it is, it's, it's in 1 Corinthians 7, it's verse, Phil, feeling verse 5. Bit. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, and come together or be together again, lest yes. Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So it's right there in the scriptures, uh, preceded by, you know, your body's not your own, loving you belong each to each other, other yes. and loving each other well. You know, and Diane and I... Um, you know, in the years of pastoring, we've done a lot of weddings and, you know, we're not the greatest counselors. I'm definitely not a good counselor. But, you know, we we found ourselves having to talk about sex with almost every, pretty yeah. much every couple yes. uh-huh. we were about to do the wedding for because their parents weren't saying anything to them. Yeah. And so we became the mom and dad. And so, you know, we talk about it. But then when 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 sometimes they or just any couple would come to us because they're just not doing well, like this question right here, I have no mm-hmm. feelings of love anymore. I, this is where I can be kind of blunt. I would just say, are you guys 
Tell me about your sexual relationship. Yeah. Are you having sex? At which time I would die a thousand deaths because that seemed like way too <laughs> forthright of impression. Here I am talking on a podcast. But in every case, they weren't. Oh, yeah. Every case. Uh, almost every case. And yep. so uh, because... Nobody ever told us it was going well. So because they weren't dealing with the feelings of drifting apart... Then it affected their physical relationship, and then it got even worse. Yes. And then, yep. yes, then you're opening yourself yes. up to the evil one. And so I just feel like um, it's hmm. important what you're saying is totally true and yes. important. And what we're not saying yeah. is that your sexual relationship will solve all the problems in your no, marriage. No. What we're saying, in, especially in more milder cases where nobody is actually sinning against the other, but life is just getting in the way. Having a romantic, satisfying sexual relationship will go a long way towards reigniting those feelings. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting um, appreciating, I think you said this before already, Diane, but maybe just to jump on this, uh, appreciating the differences. And I know mm -hmm. that we've been married, Elizabeth and I have been married 14 years now. And I feel like, honestly, it's really been in the last couple years that I've been more able to fully, without any kind of like judgment or frustration, just go, mm -hmm. okay, appreciate these differences. Mm -hmm. These differences are actually really good for me. Mm -hmm. I have so many blind spots where she doesn't and vice versa, but I these differences are actually so helpful for me. And I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't actually want to choose someone who's more like me because mm -hmm. I feel like it would feed the narcissistic side of yeah. me that just wants to perpetuate stupidity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that said, I, I think counseling's huge. You know, yeah. I think so yeah. So many people, I know my generation, uh, you know, my, my parents' generation, it was just, it was so frowned upon because it was this idea of like, you have to get help, that's weakness. And it's mm -hmm. it's like, who... Mm -hmm. Who thought that you were born and totally equipped to handle every emotional complexity yes. yeah. ever presented to you when mm -hmm. you were born? And if you had a poor family of origin, well, that's even going to set you back even further, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. I think the idea of saying, hey, if, if you're a couple and you're hearing this and one of you's listening or both of you are listening, you're like, should we get counseling? Yes. Find a biblically yes. based Jesus loving counselor yes. who's filled with the spirit and help them help you untangle the wires that mm -hmm. have gotten tangled up because a lot of this stuff isn't that complex it's mm -hmm. actually pretty simple but sometimes you just like you said diane i think with parenting and also with uh relationships especially sometimes we just stop hearing each other the mm -hmm. right way and sometimes our counselor as an example can say something that mm -hmm. she said a thousand times but i can finally hear it yeah. you know mm -hmm. yeah and you go oh that's actually really important i'll listen to that now you know as an example i think with counseling too you know i i would imagine there's people listening they're like yeah i'd be totally game to go to counseling but my spouse won't go there are actually a lot, more than you would think, a lot of counselors who don't actually believe in marriage counseling, but are a big component of you each go to individual counseling mm -hmm. and that will radically mm -hmm. change your marriage. Yeah. And so I'm not, I think going together is amazing. But I also think if you're in that boat where you're like, I don't know if I could ever get my spouse to go or, um, or you're feeling like you need help now, don't discount the, the power of you mm -hmm. yourself talking to, and we're talking a good counselor. There's a, a lot of counselors out there. Not all of them are good. And yeah. so obviously one who knows and loves Jesus is so mm -hmm. important because the way we process through all of this, mm -hmm. even from this whole conversation is from a biblical lens. And yes. so if your counselor is not counseling you through that lens, mm -hmm. um, it can get 
tricky. You're not on the yeah. same page. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if, and you may have to try a few before you find mm-hmm. a good fit, but I think there is, don't discount, might not feel like it's working on your marriage for you to go to counseling, but it actually can go a really long way. And actually that's been our experience. Brooke, you started going to counseling years ago. And would yeah, because I'm more messed up than you. No, and I already agreed. <laughs> no, no, to no, that. no. I'm just stubborn. <laughs> but it would. Um, I'd gone in the past, but you started regularly going for years, and you yeah. would share with me what your counselor was sharing, and I felt like just him going and sharing with me was life changing for our marriage. And then sometimes I would go with him to his counselor, and now I'm also seeing his counselor, and now he'll see both of us if we have a question relating to our marriage. But it's really great. Um, I think I was so impacted by him going to counseling for himself, and then it affected our marriage. And so I'm not, we're not saying. The only and one of the best things a good counselor can do for you and for your marriage is help to explain each other. Yeah, to each to other. To each other. Yes. And, um, yeah. and make sense of our responses and our reactions. And individual counseling um, does exact that exact same mm-hmm. thing. As yeah. we know ourselves, and then we understand why we are sometimes triggered by something really fairly harmless that our spouse does. It has really more to do with us than mm-hmm. to do with him. So, you yeah. know, going back to my grandmother, she became over a lifetime of mar- of a difficult marriage, one of the gentlest, kindest, most grace-filled women I have ever met mm-hmm. before. That's amazing. We all called her Grandma Great. Mm-hmm. Kit. Great grandchildren called her Grandma Great. I still think of her as Grandma Great, and and to see God work in her life, in spite of the fact that she never had a a marriage that overflowed with great tender feelings, mm. um, it that just brings me hope because I think that you would find many of the greatest, honestly, the greatest men and women in the world were in that situation, and they let God do this refining work because they were determined to obey God and to, mm. and to stay with their vows and, um, in spite of all yeah, things. Yeah, there, there's a, such a power and a blessing in just obeying God's word and his plan. I mean, Diane's parents were married 62, 62 years. Wow. Yes. My parents, 56 years. Of That's course amazing. that influenced us. Now we're at 42 years because we saw two marriages that weren't perfect. Yeah. But we're committed one to another. Yeah. And so, you know, the main thing I just say is don't get sucked into the way of the world. Okay. Yeah. There's this pull, the world pulls at you. And so it's like, well, I'm not happy anymore. And I think the grass is always greener and maybe I'd be happier if, and that's just the wrong way to approach it. But when mm-hmm. we say no, God help <laughs> yeah. and cry out to him and, and get the mm-hmm. help we need, there'll be a blessing. And now when you get to be our age, I'm 61, they'll just turn 70. There is this safety. If he's seen me through the worst mm. of times, I've seen him through the worst of times. And we are going to be here for each other into the end and caring for each other, nurturing each other. Yeah. Um, being together will be lonely someday when one of us goes first. There is such a reward for sticking it through the hard years. Wow. And, um, we're reaping that reward right now, and um, there's never I've never felt safer with a person than I feel with Phil. Phil, he rejoices with me over the things that I'm not going to boast about to somebody else. Um, he's as happy as 
as I am about my little tiny triumphs in life. <laughs> and he commiserates with me when with my disappointments in life. And yeah. that was not true of us two years into our marriage, 10 years into our marriage, maybe not even quite true of us 20 years into our marriage. You know, raising your kids and having them leave the house is really helpful for your yeah. marriage. <laughs> but it wasn't because of you. It was because of my obliviousness. No. I was out conquering the world. No. You know what I love you know about all my yeah, stuff? Yeah. So nobody, yeah. the best thing about podcasts is that you can listen, but you can't see them because we're not doing video podcasts. But I love mm-hmm. that you guys as you guys are sharing this, they're holding hands and they're moving closer to one another. <laughs> so I feel like we might need to end this podcast so you guys can have a quick smooch. Uh, that said, thank you everybody for contributing to these questions. Thank you for asking good questions. Phil, Diane, Elizabeth, thank you for taking time and energy to answer these questions. We hope to have more of these to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org slash give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families. 